0: Hello, marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC marketeer. All right, well, thank you so much, marketeers, for joining us. Today, I have on Amy Jones. She is the president and CEO of O'Connell Robertson, a mission-driven architecture, engineering, and interior design firm based in Austin, and providing creative problem solving and design that positively impacts communities throughout Texas. In 2016, Amy became the firm's fourth president and the first woman to serve in that role in the firm's 70-year history. She has been with O'Connell Robertson for 25 years and has been a principal and shareholder since 2004. Welcome,
1: Amy. Hey, thanks, Keelan. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. So before we get into why I brought you on here, which is to talk about the path to a C-suite, I want to know how you got started in this industry. What's your story?
1: My story is a little unique, like most everyone that you meet who's in marketing in the AEC industry. I joined the firm 25 years ago this year as the marketing director. I had actually been working in a position at the Austin Chamber of Commerce for an education partnership board. And one of the firm's partners here at O'Connell Robertson, he was leading that board as chair-elect and we developed a great working relationship after about three years in that role at the chamber. He reached out, wanted to have lunch, and he offered me a job. He offered me a job as the marketing director. I was joining an established firm at the time but was their first dedicated marketing director with a background in communications or PR. The prior marketing leader, like in many firms, was a technical professional, somebody on the construction administration side. So over time I grew into the director role after serving as more of a coordinator and proposal or RFQ production leader for the first couple of years. And I had actually been there about two years And they had promised me when they hired me that we'd get a marketing coordinator as soon as I kind of got my feet wet. Mm -hmm. And I'd been there two years and you've probably heard this story, but I was preparing for maternity leave. And I said, you know, Hey, I'm going to be out for a couple months. We might want to hire that marketing coordinator. So of course we didn't hire the marketing coordinator yet. We, we brought in a summer intern who filled my position for a couple months. And when I came back, they were like, okay, we definitely need a full-time person and we definitely need to get you some help. So uh, shortly after that, we were ready to add back someone to help support the RFQ production. But I really continued to participate in that at some level for you know 20 years. And even to this day, I still get involved in the RFQ process. As we know, it's a critical marketing role for any architecture engineering firm. Yeah. So I'd always been involved in a few community organizations, but once we had that coordinator on board, I began to engage in business development activities. And then when our principal in charge for marketing left after a couple of years, I think I'd been here about four years at the time, mm-hmm. a big door opened and that gave me a pretty wide leadership lane to fill Right. Shortly after that, I began expanding my business development activities and really started to have a significant impact on pursuits and wins, and continued to direct the marketing and BD activities as we opened another regional office in 2004. And then, as you mentioned, I became a principal in the firm in 2004. You know, I grew that into a project executive role, staying involved in programming, and even a little bit into SD on key projects, just maintaining that client connection that that we had developed during the pursuit and eventually began serving as principal in charge for numerous education projects and other projects where it was a good fit to maintain that relationship. Yeah. That's kind of how I started to grow into the leadership role.
0: Perfect. So you mentioned you've been there 25 years. Congratulations. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. It looking back- seem like that long.
0: <laughs> I mean, it never does, and then it kind of does. <laughs> you
1: know? That's true.
0: So, looking back on your 25 years with the firm, what advice would you give to a new marketer, or even what advice would you give to yourself 25 years ago?
1: Well, there are a couple of things that I would say. First, I would say don't underestimate what you can do. Mm. and where your role can take you, because I certainly never would have expected to find myself in the CEO seat. Sure. So that's critical for anyone in any role. I would say to marketers who are out there, branch out in your educational foundation. If you're still in school, take a business class or a finance class. Even if you're just early in your career, um, broaden your knowledge about business operations. If you can take a workshop or something like that. Yeah. Uh, cause you never know how your career might transition into business. Even as a marketing director, you need to understand budgeting and, you know, f- for overall financial picture of the firm. The other thing I would say is build on your communication skills. Typically a marketer is a communicator in some way or another And so find a way to really build on those and to maximize them for the firm. You will get attention by being a strong presenter internally, whether you're representing a committee or an idea to firm leaders, or if you have an opportunity to present externally, you know, develop and present and speak with confidence. Sure. So you had mentioned that when you
0: first came on board, you were a marketing director Did you have to prove to the company at that point, the value and importance of BD and marketing, or was it inherently there?
1: So at O'Connell Robertson, it was inherently here already. My mentor and the the principal who hired me was a principal in charge of business development and marketing. And he was a strong presence and really a force to be reckoned with and admire. And so we had someone in a leadership role who was a proponent of marketing and the idea that it drives the growth of the firm. Okay. I will say though, you know, next level managers or staff from the design team or the technical team are not always as enlightened.
0: Sure. Okay. And do you think that's because they don't necessarily have to have a hand in the, the actual business development side of the industry?
1: Sure, and I think it's because they don't know and understand how you win work. A sure. lot of architects and engineers and technical professionals think it just happens. Right. You know, well, we've worked with that client for a long time. They're just, surely they're gonna keep working with us and they just don't really understand what it takes to win and the strategy behind all of the pursuits.
0: Yeah. So then my next question would be, You're in this C-suite role and I'm thinking, well, maybe it's because you're at a smaller or a mid-sized firm. So do you think you need to be at a smaller mid-sized firm in order to make it up into that C-suite level?
1: I don't. I think it depends on the leadership of the firm at the time where you're at. I think it can happen in any size with the right people in decision-making it's, you know, certainly in a smaller size firm, there's the opportunity to be recognized maybe easier and sort of climb that ladder. But I think in a larger firm, you might have an opportunity to get there from a different route, get involved in more committees or more leadership kind of internal leadership opportunities. And I think that a big firm that's got a strong marketing leader or someone who has an affinity for that at the principal level, you know, they'll notice if there's a really strong communications or marketing player on the team. So I think that it can happen in any size firm. I think it's important to remember that it takes time, no matter what size firm you're in, you know, in the smaller firm, sometimes there's might be long-time partners, and you're waiting for that transition that's not a planned transition or a structured Mm. transition before there's any opportunity at the leadership level, or if it's a very kind of a practice-based firm, and it's just a rainmaker architect who has relationships, and they haven't really created a program for marketing and business development that drives the business plan, So that can be a challenge, but it takes time regardless and perseverance is very important. I think the other thing for anyone wanting to grow in a firm and have their career growth be open to lots of opportunities, you need to find a company where your personal goals align with the company goals. That's really important. And it's not always a match. Yeah, I love
0: that point. You're not really going to find a place that you want to stick around long enough if your values don't (laughs) align with your company's values.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: So when you were brought from the marketing director into that principal and then later CEO role, what did that transition look like? Like what were the major turning points?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I became a principal in the firm in 2004, as we've talked about. And while that was sort of early in my time with the firm, I was still the principal in charge of business development and marketing. So I was very focused on that. But as my client relationships grew and strengthened, there were clients who wanted me to stay involved longer in the project. So I didn't just leave after we won the work. So I would stay involved early through design, attend some charrettes, and then I began to help facilitate some of the stakeholder engagement. And that piece grew into a project executive role where I would stay involved, you know, through concepts and attend SD meetings. And one of the roles that I played that was very helpful to our firm as we were growing was sort of being a feedback loop between Mm. the client and the design team, because I heard things more like a user than an architect. And so I would play a role kind of early in design at at that level. And I'd stay involved, you know, off and on throughout the project. But once you're in that project executive role and firm leadership can see you understanding the whole project development and being a, a critical part of the project development process, that was really helpful. And then as part of a planned leadership transition by our former CEO, who remains one of my mentors, I became president in 2016, as he distributed some of his roles and responsibilities. So I took on with the president title, I took on a very visible external role for the firm, Mm -hmm. just regionally and sort of as an ambassador for the firm in all kinds of community organizations, just kind of took that business development role to a next level externally and internally you know, the staff started to see me different and I began to present our visioning and strategy sessions to the firm leadership and to the staff on behalf of the firm leadership and really began organizing our business plan strategy sessions and workshops on an annual basis and eventually kind of took over leading the strategic planning efforts for the firm from a whole business perspective. And then in 2018, I became a co-CEO. And in 2020, I became the sole CEO. And really through that period of time, I gained and gathered more experience and knowledge and responsibilities across the firm for finances and uh, human resources and pretty actively involved in recruiting for all levels of the firm True. Uh, today. And, and so that's just another element of the role that communications and Right now, it's very important to be able to market your firm to recruit and retain talent. And so that background has really folded in nicely to that role as a firm leader and CEO. How do you think your
0: marketing upbringing, quote unquote, in the company has helped you in your current role as CEO?
1: It's definitely helped me a lot. Okay. I think an effective CEO needs to be a good communicator. Mm. And this is typically a relative skill for most marketers, right? Um, you have to know not only how to communicate, but you need to know how to adjust your message for your audience. Another marketing strategy, you know, as a CEO, you might start your day off with an all staff meeting or a call where you have to address, You know, something like a pandemic um, Mm. or something like a critical challenging project issue or a really busy schedule going on this month and know that people are stressed. So you'll start the day in the morning needing to talk to your internal audience, but then you might head from there to a client meeting where there's a design challenge and the team is trying to solve it, but you're there to represent the firm and communicate the firm's focus on the issue and confidence in finding the right solution. So that's another audience. And then you might go from there to a lunch meeting at the chamber of commerce where, you know, you could be leading a committee or just representing your firm or the industry with other business leaders. So you've got to be able to adjust your messaging and your communications and even just kind of your style of communications as a CEO. So I think my marketing and communications background has been very helpful in that regard. You also need to understand, to be a good CEO, how do we win work? What are the right. strategies we need to be deploying? And I think that that's another key and an area where a marketer can bring that knowledge, that big picture understanding, and that vision for, for how we grow to the C-suite in a number of different roles, right? Maybe that's not the CEO, maybe it's in a larger firm, there's often, maybe there's a chief marketing officer, maybe it's a chief strategy officer. There's a lot of opportunities to get into the C-suite nowadays that maybe there weren't 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. I also find that as a marketer, you sort of have a better pulse on what's going on with A bunch of different groups within a company. If you're at a larger company, like the different sector focuses, you're sort of able to have those deeper conversations with people and feel their pain a bit. Do you think that I hadn't even really considered that you were the CEO during a global pandemic? Like, do you think that helped you sort of feel out how your employees were feeling? I'm really interested in knowing how you handled this pandemic as a CEO, but, you know, coming from that marketing background.
1: Well, it was certainly challenging for me as it was for all firm leaders, but I would say that very quickly I communicated to my partners who were all engaged in the effort of leading that we needed to communicate. We needed to communicate early and often. And so our firm put into place what we called our corporate engagement program. Two months into the pandemic, we created a structured program where we had one-on-one communications. We called them water cooler chats with mm. individuals across disciplines throughout the firm via teams, You know, virtual conversations where we randomly matched people up every week to have a a 15 minute call over some question, like what was your first car? What was your first job? Just to keep people connected. We created small focus groups. We realigned our departmental meetings to start each one with just a quick, Hey, how's everybody doing? What's Mm -hmm. the most important issue you're tackling today? And what do you need help with from someone on the team? So we really adjusted our conversations from just, Work and project oriented to people issues. And we've incorporated that into our week in a very structured and continuous way. Began having Monday morning calls every single Monday morning with all staff across all offices that mm-hmm. we didn't previously have. And we've actually continued those. Okay. They're not kind of crisis oriented, not that sure. they were crisis oriented, but maybe risk crisis response oriented. Mm. They're more just a super quick check-in and they only last five to 10 minutes, but we found that our team members in San Antonio and Houston wanted to hear from our leadership as well as our Austin group, and they didn't get to see us as often. And so we've carried that into the post pandemic era, if you will. Sure. But I, I think the key was just knowing that we need to communicate more rather than less. And for, I think, a typically more technical oriented leader, it's just not a natural tendency.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: And I I will say the other thing that a CEO needs to do that communications and marketing background really helps is need to really think about everything you say. And one of the things that became very clear to me during the pandemic is your people, your staff, especially internal, but even external, but we'll talk about internal here. They're really listening to you. Yeah. Partly just because you're the CEO. Yep. And so you you really need to think about what you're going to say and be thoughtful about almost even all the words that you're using, especially when you're in a time of really heightened sensitivity as it was during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. And so I would actually think out even my shortest comments and kind of put them on paper, look at them, read them, and then be able to communicate them. Because oftentimes we would follow up that communication with an email where people could see what we said. And so it's really important to consider every word almost.
0: That's a really incredible thought or example. You know, I think so often we're just so used to this instant communication that's very off the cuff. And so to shift that gear a bit and say, no, this this sort of thing really, really matters. That would be a good practice just for any really important business conversation is to just really consider the words that you're using, how it's going to be delivered. Like you said, if it's verbal versus if it's going to have to be translated over to email, that's a totally different tone. So that's, that's very interesting.
1: It is, but you have to be careful because now we're in this hybrid work model where you're having virtual meetings like you and I are having, or whether it's through Microsoft teams or zoom. And so you have a lot of conversations and you say a lot of things and If you then send a separate communication that's written and you leave something out or you say something else, inevitably, someone is going to note the discrepancy. Sure. And They will follow up and they will say, hey, on the call, you said, you Mm -hmm. know, we could do this in the office now that we're coming back. But in your email, you said, that or you didn't say this, and so it's become something that I think is important to pay a lot of attention to. And having a communications skill set is has been helpful for me.
0: Perfect. So, then what are some other steps you've taken to further your skill set? I know we've sort of hit on communications, but mm-hmm. the other skill sets think- that you've developed, yeah,
1: sure. Well, I've definitely attended professional development training over the years, you know, been to the Principals Academy. I've taken leadership training and those things have helped, but there's a couple of things that I'd really stress to someone who wants to grow as a leader. And one of the ways that I developed those skills was by participating in external organizations, volunteer associations, nonprofit boards, the chamber of commerce, You know, when it comes to speaking in front of people and identifying a problem and understanding solutions and opportunities, you get some good practice with that when you're serving as a volunteer. And so I really encourage people to get involved in organizations and become a leader, you know, volunteer to chair a committee or a task force or an event. It's great practice. And I also stress that when it comes to volunteer engagement. Try to connect your passion to your profession or your firm's goals. Again, when you can find alignment. So we're very involved in the education market from a design standpoint and a business standpoint. So it's been a really nice natural fit for me to be very involved in regional education associations over the years. And then the other thing would be seeking out mentors throughout different stages of your career. I was able to do that early in my career. I wanted a mentor who was very focused on marketing in the industry. Mm -hmm. So needing to spend time so I could better understand the strategy of professional services marketing. But as my role evolved, I was looking for firm leaders and they didn't have to be in the industry. It could be anybody who was at that that C-suite level that was helpful. I got a lot out of peer organizations like SMPS over the years, been a great resource for me. I'm still close with a number of the SMPS chapter board members that I served with you know, prior to 2010 and we've supported each other throughout all of our career trajectories. I love that you bring that up.
0: This is a very SMPS friendly podcast, (laughs) but I think a lot of the times when people think about volunteering for a chapter, it's sort of, even the word volunteer doesn't totally capture everything that you get from that opportunity. I always use my presidency as an example of when you're earlier in your career, there's very little chance that you're going to get to manage a team of 10, 20 people. That's what SMPS offers you. You get to be a director of something, even if you can't be a director at your firm, it's still really valuable experience that you can point to down the road.
1: Absolutely. And you should communicate that with firm leaders that, you know, you're taking on this role and it's not just networking, although that's great and that's advantageous for the firm, Mm -hmm. but it's also gaining some very valuable leadership and business skills uh, through the management of, of the chapter. That's exactly right. And then You know, as I mentioned, the the peer network that you develop from a support system, staying in touch is, you know, some people move on to other firms or maybe they even leave the industry or they, you know, move from an architecture to an engineering firm. All of that is kind of scaffolding for you and your network through career growth. Sure. So, then what
0: other main character traits do you feel? that you have that have allowed you to thrive in the AEC industry?
1: This is a tough question to think about. (laughs) But I have done strength finder. So I'll lean on that for a minute. There you go. But you know, positivity, I think is something that is of, Great value in the marketing department. Mm-hmm. You need to maintain a positive attitude. So that's been strong for me. I have a very competitive nature, so I'm an achiever. And I think that is one of the, the character traits. Hardworking, you know, there's there's a lot of effort that goes involved in meeting those deadlines that are so time-sensitive, even on the marketing side. Affiliation is a character trait that I've got. I love people like to connect with people throughout the industry and have a strong network. I like to lean on. So there's that obviously integrity and, you know, I guess we'd have to say loyalty. I've been loyal to the firm for a long time and appreciated them being loyal to me as well. And empathy has been a real handy character trait over Mm. the last couple of years as well. I think that later in my career, I developed a broader strategic sense of things. So that strategy trait was, was fine-tuned and refined over time as I grew in my role, not only as a marketing director, but then a firm leader. But I sure. think that's really important.
0: And I suppose that's what time gives you. I, just looping back to your point of, you know, these things take time. It's not that you started with all of these characteristics, but that they were sort of built up to get you to this point where you're at now.
1: Absolutely. I think it's that way for everyone. And so being thoughtful about how you can build on the the traits as well as the skills that you have and learn from others along the way. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, where should I direct them?
1: Direct them to my LinkedIn page. Okay. Uh, so it's just Amy Jones on LinkedIn and Amy Jones at O'Connell Robertson for our website, just oconnellrobertson.com, And you can find out more information about the firm and my leadership role and transitions there. Perfect. Well, thank you so
0: much. I've really enjoyed this conversation.
1: Thank you, Keelan. I love listening to your podcast and I loved talking to you today.
0: All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer Podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Amy and her career story on getting to the C-suite. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.